I'm Andrew Lewis, and I'm the Vice President and Chief Student Services Officer at Wheeling University, and this is Dingo Talk. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is Andrew Lewis, Vice President of... Student, student services student services that you gave a very long one i don't know how i can do all that that's okay andrew's gonna do what we do every week he's gonna tell us about himself we're gonna take him all the way back to 2001 um, and why the decision to go to west liberty we'll probably cover the there's a pretty important event that happens in the world uh his freshman year talk about his experiences and roll on from there but andrew Ohio Valley kid, why West Liberty? So, you know, like I, academics wasn't for me. You know, I didn't even know if I was going to go to college when I was in high school. But, you know, I was a pretty decent runner. Um, I ran cross country and track. Um, you know, it was my sport. It was my thing. I was a runner. I would, you know, run all year round. There'd be two feet of snow. I'd be running. Um, you know, I had some pretty good success in high school with OVAC champion in a couple events in track, uh, OVAC champion in uh, cross country. I went to uh, junior Olympics um, and for nationals in cross country. So it was just something that kind of elevated my ability to go to college and kind of opened the doors a little bit more to what was next. Um, I was looking at a couple different schools, Muskingum College, West Liberty, um, but ultimately I chose West Liberty. My dad is a graduate of West Liberty. Um, I had two aunts that graduated from West Liberty. I was also recruited uh, by a couple different schools to run. So I did get an athletic scholarship to West Liberty to run cross country and track. So that really kind of sealed the deal. Um, and I knew that running was going to continue through college and that was going to, you know, get me to friends and get me to whatever I needed to do. And at that point, I wasn't even sure what major I was going to go into. Um, you know, when you're a freshman and a senior, you don't know what you're going to do the next day. Mm -hmm. So me thinking about what a major was or what I was going to do after college wasn't even a thought. I was fortunate enough that um, family members had gone to college, so I wasn't a first-generation student, you know, that my brother was in school at a high university. I knew that I didn't want a big school. Um, my brother's experience at OU was good for him, but it wasn't for me. You know, I had gone down and visited, but I did not want to go to a college where I didn't know people. Um, I really wanted to be able to find myself and figure out <clears throat> who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and West Liberty kind of offered that to me. I knew that it was a small school. It was close enough to home that if I needed to come home um, or needed something from my family, that they would be close. I'm a twin, so I'm pretty close with my sister. Um, I'm pretty close with my entire family. So um, knowing that they were, you know, 26 miles away, essentially, in Shadyside, Ohio, that I could get there if I needed to. So family going to West Liberty and cross-country and track is why I chose chose West Liberty. Now, how long did the cross country and track thing work out? Were you, did you, did, were you a four, four years, four years? I was, I ran all, all four years. I was four and a half years at, at college. I took a red shirt one semester. 
um, of cross country. And then I was a December 2005 graduate. So I ended my um, career, collegiate career, both academically and athletically. So I continued to run, you know, and it was probably the greatest experience to be involved um, in a team mm -hmm. and have that closeness. Um, I had some great teammates, oddly enough. One of them is now my brother-in-law. Um, he, he married my uh, sister. Um, they kind of got together after college and, you know, the old, he hit her up on Facebook and then my sister's like, your friend RJ? I mean, like, my team was very involved with my family. My parents would go to meets. We would have them to my house for dinners and things like mm -hmm. that. So it wasn't something, you know, my parents were at, um, you know, everything that they could be at. So it was important that they were all kind of, you know, mixed together. But she reached out. She was like, you know, your friend RJ messed. I was like, you know, he was a great guy. And he was, and he was, and still is a great guy. And next thing I know, he's sitting on my couch Christmas morning, opening presents together. <laughs> and they're still married to this day. So, which is great. But, you know, you meet some people in college that, you know, you stick with and some you don't, but you appreciate the experiences that you had while you're there because they really shape and form you. And college is really, and now on the other side of it, college is really that opportunity that you do just kind of figure out who you are. And that oh, freshman year is crazy. That's, let's lead into that. So your, your freshman year is one hell of an experience, I guess. Um, obviously, September 11, 2001. Yeah. Uh, you're a month into your freshman year. Um, do you, anything you remember specifically? Is that a day that you, you, I remember everything about that day. And I think that a lot of people will, you know, always remember that similar to like our parents or older generation remembering when JFK was shot, mm -hmm. things like that. And I remember, um, I had a few of my friends from high school that went to West Liberty as well. Um, my friend Vanessa and I would always go get breakfast in on the morning and we were in her room at Hughes Hall and I remember turning on the TV while we were waiting to go eat and it came across the TV but at the time you don't you thought it was like a part of the movie or you thought it was you just didn't think it was real yeah so we turned it off went to breakfast and then I go to my music appreciation class with Professor Wiesner and we just all find out about it we kind of just shut down and we leave the class. My room in Curtis Hall was where I lived, was kind of like the hub of the floor where everyone kind of hung out at. And we all just kind of sat in our room and watched it unfold. This was a time before cell phones. So, you know, up at Westland, there was no cell phone service. So I didn't have a cell phone. So calling my parents, which again, dates me, which- you know, Well, there's still, me, it's still spotty up there, up, up there in them hills. Right. You know, you, you call your family to find out, you know, how everyone's doing. I had friends who were in New York going to school, this same kind of thing. There was no Facebook. There was no social media. You had no way to find out how people were if it wasn't for, you know, a landline calling your parents to find out from that friend's parents who live in Shadyside where they're at, you know, and it just kind of, you, you took a moment. I had family members who worked in the government he was supposed to be on a flight. We weren't sure if he was in the air, where he was. So we had that time to hold on. And, and again, you're in school for a month of freshmen. You don't have the ability to kind of like make great friends yet, but we had a really good group of guys on my floor that I lived on that we just kind of like hung out and stayed together and kind of just talked through it. And 
Um, we had a memorial service in College Hall. Um, you know, a lot of students went. There were people who were affected, you know, that were students. And it was just something that you'll never forget. And, and you don't. And it's, you always think about that. And again, now working on the other side, some of the students weren't alive then. So um, they have no idea about it. And when you bring it up, it's just something that you'll always remember vividly. Remember seeing everything, how it was, how it was happening, how people reacted to it. Um, and how it did change a lot of stuff. You know, there was talk of planes coming to, through Wheeling and the Ohio County Airport. Um, we're close to Pittsburgh, we're not far from Pittsburgh. You know, so it, Pittsburgh was a hub for, for, you know, airplanes and things like that. So it was kind of worrisome and everyone kind of is just on a standstill for, for that time. You know, it was something that, I guess you'll just never, I'll never forget where I was and who I was with. So more, more positive sides, what was, what did you end up majoring in and how did you get to that decision? So I knew that I was a, um, a church camp kid. So I really liked going to church camp and I liked to be involved as a counselor. So I related that back to education. So I decided that I was going to want to be a teacher. So elementary education was what I selected. Oddly enough, my father went into the same thing, but did not end up going to be a teacher. So I picked elementary education. And again, academics wasn't my, like, I'm, I'm just, I didn't excel academically. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a mediocre student, you know, that freshman year you, you're in, I was in um, remedial algebra because math is something that I struggle in still to this day. I don't deny it. I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. It's just part of who I am. So, you know, I had to experience things a little bit differently to make sure that I, I could and wanted to do that again, because I early on, I didn't even know if college was going to be for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought maybe it was just going to be not even to do it. I was going to go, um, my dad works in construction world, maybe go do that or trade or something. But luckily enough, I got into elementary education and I ended up getting a minor in um, special education as well. Um, my sister um, is part of that she has a learning disability. So I saw the struggles that my parents had gone through with her IEPs, her individual education plan, and knew how involved my mom was and knew the struggles that she had to get to to make sure that my sister's accommodations were met. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to be in that process and kind of help that. Um, and once I got into the education field um, in my classes, I loved it. I loved education law. I loved, you know, oddly enough, like teachers, uh, elementary reading or reading for elementary teachers, like little things like that was great. And I really enjoyed that. I, I can relate a lot of that now working in college, seeing how I can go back. I don't know if I could imagine you as an elementary school teacher. Right, right. So that that was always like, you know, could, <laughs> I, could I do it, you know? Um, but again, I was able to um, get in with a good group of like, when you're, same, same with any major, you get into a core content of classes and you get with the same group of people. Mm-hmm. So like I was with the same group towards the last two and a half years um, who really just made it enjoyable going to class. And a lot of people I still see, a lot of them are in education. Um, a lot are, maybe not, but um, I did my student, student teaching at um, Ritchie Elementary School and Wheeling Park. So I had those experiences and, you know, for education, you have to do so many 
um, observation hours. And I was fortunate enough to start at Ritchie and be there for maybe a year before I even started student teaching. So I had that opportunity to meet the students and to meet the teachers. So I felt very comfortable there um, to spend six weeks of you know, your life, really. Um, and then Wheeling Park I did for my special education. Um, my supervising teacher was a West Lib grad. So I felt very comfortable there and I felt very comfortable in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also still running. I was super involved. Um, I ended up. Yeah. What were some things you were involved in throughout your. So I knew that I was kind of like a people person, I guess you could say. And I know, (laughs) I know kind of like now I like to be in charge, like to be in the spotlight. I think we all kind of see that that's kind of where I'm at, but I got involved in being a resident assistant. So I, oddly enough, um, part of my role now is I oversee residents like that whole department. And when I first applied to be an RA at West Liberty, I did not get it, um, which was kind of like, oh, crap, I was a freshman. I wanted to get involved. It would be a good opportunity, help people with their experience, help students with their experience. So I didn't get it. It didn't deter me. I applied again and I got it. I was an RA from, for my last two years um, in freshman buildings, but I also was actively involved in student government. Mm-hmm. Um, I became the student government president when I was a uh, senior, which was a great opportunity because you really are involved in both aspects of the college world as a student and then some stuff on the administrative side. As president of student government, I was a student representative to the board of governors. So I spent monthly meetings with them. I had meetings with the, the college president. I was involved in curriculum development. I was involved with graduation ceremonies, homecoming events, things like that. So I saw both sides and it really made me start thinking a little bit about there's other things that people do at college, not just teach. Mm -hmm. So I saw that as maybe an opportunity and being an RA, that was a great experience. I had really great people that I worked with when I was a student who really shaped me to where I'm at. And being as an RA with first year students, that was really important to me to be able to know how I went through things. Because when I was a freshman, there was like an RA wasn't existent. Like he was, no offense to him as a person, but he wasn't present. He didn't do like programming. He didn't do floor meetings. He was, didn't really get to know us. I maybe saw him once or twice. And, And I knew that that wasn't how it was supposed to be. So I wanted to change that experience. So I was able to get in there and I had some great people um, that were my residents that I really got to get involved with and kind of just kind of threw me into what was going to be my, my new career, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad and I having a conversation about, well, what's next after graduation? And I was like, I don't want to leave. Like, I didn't want to leave West Liberty. And it just wasn't, I just did it. So I was like, well, why don't you look for a job up there? Um, and essentially that's what I did right after I graduated, I went into full-time employment at West Liberty. So how does, cause so I interviewed Jerry, I interviewed Sam. I, I those are the student life people that, that I know well, as well as, yes. you. um, how does one get in, into student life? Cause it's not like you go to school and say, oh man, I want to be the, I want to be an R, the RA advisor. I want to be student right. life. I want to, cause it's, you don't get a vacation. You, you're, you don't. <laughs> there's no weekends. There's Saturdays. Right, right. Saturdays are a great phone call. 
Right, you know, early mornings. <laughs> it, it's not something that you, very rarely will someone be like, I want to work in student services. I want to work in student life. You essentially fall into it or you find it as a passion mm-hmm. and you find it as something that is going to be what you want to do in life. And that's being an RA, being in student government, working out with, helping out with enrollment and admissions events, like open houses and tours. That got me into student life. That got me into realizing that you could make this a career and just finding that niche that I think I kind of was able to create out of using my education background mm-hmm. and also the experiences that I had to get me to where I wanted to go. Um, you know, I knew that it was, again, like you get into it and you don't know where you're going to go until you get into it really to find out how that, you know, start from the bottom and that totem pole and, and work your way up to see, you know, can you get up to that top part or that top position? And I, I just did it. You know, I worked, worked hard. I, I applied, you know, not knowing, you know, cause it's hard to go from undergrad straight into full-time employment at the same institution mm-hmm. that you were just like hanging out, partying with people, you know, cause I like to have a good time when I'm allowed to have a good time. So well said. Well said. being a person who was actively involved and had a great social life, knew that I had to do some learning growing up to transition into that role. It's not, it's not easy for everyone. And, and I will be the first to say, I struggled at times with f- defining that line. My first supervisor, Marcella Snyder, who is probably one of my, men- probably one of my best mentors, who's still at West Liberty this day, who I still call on if I need advice or help. I probably gave her the hardest time because I was a young professional thinking I knew everything, knew how I was going to change the world. And I really needed to step back and and find that line to being able to accept criticism, Mm -hmm. being able to accept advice and how I can learn and grow from it rather than getting frustrated, mad and, and walking away, you know? Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, it was good. So I think that's a good place. We covered all Westlib. We covered the first job. We got to send it to chambers because part two takes us to Bethany. We, we drive six miles over the, over the hill. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had, a, I had some time after West Liberty. I went to Glenville state for four years. It was a long four years, nothing against but it was a long four years. In I think we'll just West. leave Glenville State there. Glenville, West Virginia. So going away, Glenville was about two and a half. It's a little, it's a little bit of a drive away. Uh-huh. So I left family. I left friends. And when the opportunity came open at Bethany, I was like, I'm ready to make that next step. I was still kind of like at entry level step up. I wanted to be a director. I wanted to supervise and get that. Oddly enough, when um, I applied at Bethany, I actually- Oh, that's where I'm going to cut you off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off right there and we'll bring that out of part two. Uh, Chambers General Store, if, you, if they don't have it, you don't need it. You can get it on a t-shirt. You can also get the Shroom Capital of the World shirt. I think it's the third edition of that. Might be the fourth edition at this point. Um, and the t-shirt is true. If they don't have it, you really don't need it. Andrew's been there. We're going to talk about everything Bethany. And when it comes to everything Bethany, Chambers is right in the middle. Um, so if you're in the town of Bethany, stop in, 
I am Carla Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest, Andrew Lewis, Vice President of Student Affairs, Student Life. That'll work. Go somewhere in there. Um, we'll be right back. You're watching another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded deep in a hidden lair in Bethany, West Virginia, where when you visit, make sure you stop by Chambers General Store. Grab one of our hot breakfast sandwiches made fresh all day. Don't forget the biscuits and gravy or one of the daily lunch specials. And if none of that trips your trigger, cold cut sub sandwiches and wraps made fresh all day to your order. Hey, and don't be the only alumni on the block that doesn't have the Chambers, if you, we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirt or the latest edition of the Bethany, West Virginia, shroom capital of the world in the psychedelic green. Hey, now back to you, Carlo. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest, Andrew Lewis, he left off with four wonderful years in Glenville, West Virginia. A uh, job opened up at Bethany, uh, six miles from where he went to college and had his first job out of college. Uh, so how does that play out? Well, you know, I have known about Bethany prior to, we at West Liberty called them the Harvard on the Hill. I had a cousin who went, and of course I went to Bubba's, even when I was not quite of the appropriate age to go to Bubba's. And a funny story as to how I got into Bubba's, we knew that all Bethany students got in. And how do they get in? By showing their Bethany ID. So what did me and a couple of friends do at West Liberty? We made fake Bethany IDs so we could get into Bubba's. And it worked. So you made counterfeit Bethany IDs. I yeah. don't know. I don't know how many people might. There's a lot of people aren't going to believe that story. I'm just going to. It was like the randomest thing. We did it. We got in. We could go to Bubba's or whatever. Until the bouncer started being a West Liberty student who was on the track team at the same time. It was like get out of here, Andrew. You're not. You're not. Nice try. So that ended. But anyway, so, so I knew that Bethany was there and I knew that I wanted to get back to the Ohio Valley. You know, I had um, my, my brother, and my sister were getting into marriages and kids were coming along the way. My, my grandma was, you know, getting older and I wanted to be close. So I applied actually for the director's student activities job. And I hadn't heard anything. And Jerry called me and he said, listen, I know that you applied for the director of student activities job, but the director of residence life job actually just came open. We haven't even posted it yet. And your resume looks more suited to that. Would you apply? Would you be interested in that? I was like, absolutely. I'm ready for anything. So that's kind of how it happened. And um, you know, I love Jerry. He's a great person. He's a great mentor. Again, I, I call him occasionally on things and he, he called me like nine o'clock one night. I was, I was, um, at Glenville. I think I was like walking on a treadmill, which doesn't happen anymore, but he's like, Hey, you got some time. I'm like, sorry, sir. It's, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm not prepared for an interview right now. So let's set something up formally. So we set something up and you know, things kind of happened. I met with Jerry, I met with the team, I met with Mickey. Um, I had some great connection with Mickey through um, her 
daughter and some of my friends were friends. So like I knew that. And I had met um, the vice president for or the provost. Um, it all went well. I got the opportunity. They offered me the job and I was like, I'm here, let's go. And Sam, who you had have interviewed, um, started two weeks before I did. And during that time, both Sam's position and my position were live-on positions. So part of our compensation package was an apartment. So when I interviewed, I toured the apartment. I was like, this is a great apartment. It was in Campbell Village um, compared to where I was living. It was a great apartment. I was like, this is great, everything. So Jerry and I are back, you know, emailing back and forth about, you know, start dates and all that kind of stuff. And I said something about my apartment and it, Sam had started two weeks earlier, but his, where he was going to live, wasn't ready yet. So they moved him into my apartment and Jerry was like, what do you think about a roommate? I was like, listen, I don't know this, this Sam guy. I'm not too sure about that. You know, I wanted, I've never had a roommate, you know, in my adult life. Um, so I was like, no. So Sam ended up going to the Delt house and lived, Delt founders and lived above there. Um, and then I, you know, I moved in and I, and I started at Bethany and Bethany is its own animal in a good and bad way. You know, I walk in first day, I had to put my own um, chair, together. chair together because the person before didn't, uh, he broke it. And I, you, you can say why, but I will, I will let so, you know though, that you were in my phone the entire time I was at Bethany as his name, not as. All right, I'll take it. I'll you take would it. call, you would call for a problem and I would go, Dude, you left like four years ago. Why are you? Oh, oh, that's that's the phone. It's not yeah, all right. It's the phone. <laughs> so, God. what were some of your things? So you you come in to run the RAs and run kind of the resident the the rooms and and all the ins and outs that goes into that. How do you work your way? Because you get involved in Greek life. You you kind of as you said, Bethany is its its own animal. You had kind of eight arms doing a bunch of things how does that play out i mean in student affairs and student service it's it's really like all other duties assigned you do what you need to do to make the department work um you know even back then when i started in 2013 there was short staff everyone you know what i mean but i'm also the person i think because of my family and my my parents work ethics that my work ethic is i'm going to do whatever i need to do to make sure that the job's done, the job's done right. And knowing my previous years in higher ed that students come first. So if there was a need that a student had, then I was gonna, I was gonna deliver. Um, you know, Sam and I started at the same time and um, Sam and I ended up becoming really good friends and, and Jerry and Mickey and all of us were really good together. Um, Hillary, you remember Hillary was there when I first started. Um, you know, she kind of transitioned from Greek life to Title IX was kind of like really big. And then Greek life transitioned to Sam. I got involved as an advisor, but, you know, first I got on as director of residence life. That was my primary job. Met with the RAs, met some great RAs. I had great experiences. I still talk to some of them. Kyle Rocky, still talk to him to this day. Still can't believe he's a father of twins. Blows my mind. 
He's probably going to be mad. He called me like a week ago, FaceTimed me. I didn't answer. Rager called. He's like, he leaves me voicemails. But like, how dare you not answer my call? Like, he's a great, he's a great person. Full dad mode. Full dad. Full dad mode. You know, and he's great. Andrew, and, call me back when you get this, when you get this voice message. Exactly. How dare and, and the one thing with, with Rocky real quick is, I missed his wedding because my husband was in someone else's wedding in North Carolina. So I couldn't go. And he's been married for five years, maybe. And he, I won't, he will never, ever let me live that down. Every time, if I, again, the voicemail was, Andrew, you missed my wedding and now you're not answering your phone. And that'll be always. But so I met some great RAs. I had some, you know, really good student leaders to work with. Um, you know, there wasn't really a staff besides the RAs and a graduate assistant. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was there, I had really good graduate assistants with, with Lauren Morris, um, Brittany and Kaylee and Kristen Ewing really had the opportunity. And I loved that we had graduate assistants because it was an opportunity for us to kind of teach and learn. Mm-hmm. You know, they taught us some stuff, they learned some stuff, but it was really great to be able to kind of mold and shape them, but also... I was able to give them the opportunity to kind of form their job positions. And each, every two years you get, a, you essentially would get a new graduate assistant. So I was able to kind of let each one of them decide what their strengths were so mm-hmm. that, you know, if Lauren was great at programming, then she's going to do programming. And if maybe one of them wants to dive one conduct, then we can add some conduct stuff or they want to get more to change the programming model or change how duty is done, then they can do that. And Jerry was great to allow me to do that, which is really important as a, on now a mid-level professional to be able to kind of pat your resume in a sense so that you know that I knew at that point that I wasn't, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep going, mm-hmm. keep going up to the, the higher ed chain to wherever was, it was going to take me, but I knew that I wanted to keep going. So Jerry really let me kind of do my thing. And there was probably times that he was like, that's the worst decision ever, but I still did it. And again, my whole thing is if I make a mistake, then I make a mistake, but I'm going to learn from it and grow from it and figure out what I can do better not to make that mistake. And that's the same. Yes. I want to point out if Jerry was saying bad decisions, he canceled a fly fishing class that I was the only kid enrolled in. And I think that it was personal. I don't think he wanted to spend four hours a day for three weeks out in the Buffalo with me. Well, you know what? That's probably true. Let's be honest. I'm just saying. (laughs) Also, we do have to make a correction. We can't, we we are referring to about Dr. Sam Gooch. So that we, (laughs) Dr. Sam Gooch. Listen, I am so proud of that guy for doing it. Mm-hmm. Sam and I both started the program at the same time. And, and I will, I'm not shy about this. I only got involved because Sam did, and I didn't want Sam to have something I wasn't going to have. It was that like friendly competition kind of thing. So Sam did it. And, you know, I left um, Bethany while we were still kind of in the program. We had done our classwork and it was dissertation time. Luckily during class, you know, we, Sam and I did our, our PhD coursework together through Gannon University. We had a cohort that we met in Cranberry and a couple of times in Erie. So we were holding each other accountable, him holding me more accountable than anything, uh, making sure that I'm getting the class, getting, getting the assignments done and bouncing ideas off of. I spent a lot of time with Sam. 
Sam mm-hmm. was a great person to bounce personal, professional things off of. And, you know, we would, even after I left Bethany, we would still kind of talk like, oh, how's your, how's your dissertation going? You know, it was, it was probably, I mean, I probably knew deep down that I wasn't going to fulfill it mm-hmm. only because it was difficult. You know, I was going through some, you know, right at the end, I was going through some personal things and some job changes and then COVID hit. And, but when, when he, Sam told me that he was hunkering down and doing it, I mean, I was so happy to say that I know Sam and that I still do and, and knew that he was going to do it. And I told him, and I told him, I said, Sam, there was never a doubt in my mind that you weren't going to finish this. I knew that I had a chance that it may not, but you know, it is weird if, if I see him to call him Dr. Googe. Dr. Googe. Dr. Googe. Um, you know, but he's done some great things for himself and he continues mm-hmm. to do great things for himself. And I wish him nothing, you know, and it's, Sam's one of those people that, you know, we would pick on each other, but in a good positive way. Yeah. Um, and we did have a really good working relationship and Jerry and I had a good working relationship. We really had a good team. Um, you know, after Hillary left, we had Amber and we had um, a couple other people in there, but we, you know, Sam and I were the constant, yeah. you know, we were there together. He was two weeks before me and it was, you know, us, but I did get involved in Greek life. I became an advisor for Delta Tau Delta, Rocky and Casey Lindley were RAs. And at the time they were looking for an advisor. I didn't really have fraternity life when I was an undergrad at West Liberty they do now mm-hmm. um, we had like a like one local fraternity but you know it wasn't really wasn't for me at the time again it was my own inability to know the full depth of fraternity and sorority life because I didn't I didn't see it firsthand so I started I was like yeah sure I'll do it let's see what this involves so I ended up pledging in a sense and becoming a full Delta Tau Delta member, dues, conferences, all those kind of things. Because I also wanted to show my commitment to those students that I was there for them. And you know, well, as anyone, the struggle that fraternity life can be at Bethany. Um, It's great because of the history and the camaraderie and the brotherhood that those guys form. But the recruitment process and getting things done is the right way the right way and you've got four fraternities all vying for a small population of male students so it was difficult and there were low numbers low um, pledge classes but if you got a couple you were happy there was sometimes that you had large classes and sometimes you had small classes but it fraternity life really opened my eyes to that different kind of branch of of student services student affairs that I really hadn't seen before and um, Sam took it over and you know his his whole thing was Greek life a little bit and student activities but I was able to kind of see and help and and get through that process and um, you know see a different side of things and again like you still I still see those guys I still talk to those Mm -hmm. guys I think I came home come a couple years and go back to the you know, go back to the house and, and see people. And knowing for me that Delt was founded at Bethany, I think is so profound. Um, being able to go to the founder's house and have ritual and have all those things there where it mm-hmm. all started um, 
was really, really great and really special. So I'm glad that I had that opportunity um, and kind of see that kind of go where it needed to go. And then, so your time came to an end at Bethany. What what led to the to the move, to the change, to the um, just the ability to move up? The, the position came open. You wanted to kind of take a stab at it. What what got you to Wheeling? So my time at Bethany, I was there for six years, and me too. <laughs> so again, like I met great people, had great interaction. While I was there, I was also promoted to assistant dean, um, which gave me a little bit more responsibility, um, allowed me to kind of, again, let's say pad my resume, but know that I was preparing myself for that next step. Um, oddly enough, you know, Wheeling has had its, had its ups and downs and we are up. Mm-hmm. And when it was 2019, I had a phone call from someone at Wheeling in February that their dean of students position was gonna be coming opened. It was, they wanted a quick turnaround. Would I be interested? The job wasn't even posted. I was like, yes, that would be logically the next step. Um, at the time it was still Wheeling Jesuit. Um, I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. And again, it was 2019 and some things, they changed their idea, they changed their plan. So. February was my first conversations with Wheeling. And then I didn't get on campus for an interview until summer. So the job ended up coming posted. It was a vice president of student services. And 2019 was also when the institution declared financial exigency, um, mass exodus of students. So I knew that it was a risk, but there was two ways for me to look at it. If I started at Wheeling, I was either going to be part of something great or part of something bad. I had more confidence in myself and the leadership to be part of something good. Mm-hmm. So I took the job. It was the logical next step for me. I wanted that responsibility and um, see what I was capable of. You know, I'm, I'm getting up there. Um, and I know that yeah, I old wanted, timer. Just old getting, timer. getting up there, like, like you were born in the stone age, just because you were born when they still had pay phones. Doesn't mean right. pay phones had to make sure you have a quarter around before cell phones. We still have MySpace. What I collect. Right. I did. Listen, my first couple of years of college, we had to have a calling card. Okay. <laughs> so, but I knew that it was, it was logical for me to go. Yeah. So I met with the people at Wheeling um and then then i i went you know and i think people um questioned and jerry was and everyone at bethany was very supportive of the move um you know getting me along the way you Mm -hmm. know if i needed anything um you know and you're at a place for any amount of time you get connected to people and to places and i was very connected to the people at bethany i liked bethany as a community you know, I lived there on campus, and then for a small time, I lived in, in town in one of the townhouses. I'd go to Chambers in the morning, get my breakfast sandwich. My husband loved their breakfast sandwiches. I would take my dog for a walk. You, you know, you, you see the people, you get involved in the community, and I'd always liked small town, small town USA. I'm a small town kid. I was a small town college kid. I never wanted anything big. 
So, you know, leaving those people that I had been with for six years, I mean, Mickey was like a second mom to me, mm-hmm. a friend, uh, and, and Sam the same, you know, and Kristen Ewing was my graduate assistant at the time. And I had known Kristen as a student. And then I had the opportunity to, to pull her back in and work with her. And, and it was hard to call her because we had a good personal and professional relationship. She, it was summer. I was taking this job in August, which is the worst time for anyone in higher ed to switch jobs and to leave a position vacant to go to a new institution that is already going through change mm-hmm. to build something down there. So when I called Kristen, let her know, she wasn't even here. She was in Florida. So it was a difficult phone call. And there were some tears on both ends because of that personal and professional relationship that she was going to have a new boss. But it also gave the ability, again, for Sam. I knew that Sam, same as me, he's younger than me. Sam wanted that next step as to like something new. You know, yeah. He had been in student activities for a while, wanted something new. And, and I knew that he could... Sam's smart. We know Sam's smart. If Sam wants to put his mind to something, he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to take a stab at residence life. Again, successful. Same thing. Student activities, residence life, now assistant dean. It just proves that, again, you know, a pat on the back to Jerry for allowing us to be able to kind of move and grow Mm -hmm. for both of us. You know, he let me do it, but it wasn't like he let us. We worked hard to show our skills, to be able to get to that next level. And, you know, I was there with with Dr. Miller. You know, we had lunch with Dr. Miller all the time. He was a great person to talk with, both good. You know, love his social media presence. It was always great to see him. And then we got Dr. Rodenberg. Um, I had the opportunity to meet her before she started. She was just a great individual and had a caring heart and knew what Bethany needed and we had the opportunity to get her there. And Bethany had its struggles. We know that every institution have its struggles. Well, and but, look at it now. I mean, everybody, every school, big, big, smaller and different are struggling up and down, up and down and across the country. So, right. Right. And it's, and it's hard. COVID has to do with that. Numbers are down. Enrollment numbers are down. People are pushing the trade, which is great. Um, but for me, I'm obviously going to push higher ed for a year, but, for those and, that go to the trade, that's great. And that brings up my final question for you. So you you are the guy. You you're, you're a guy at Wheeling. You're vice president. Uh, why Wheeling? If you're talking to a potential student for next year or the or the 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 winter time, if somebody wants to transfer in, yeah. why would they want to come to Wheeling? To me, Wheeling has developed itself now to kind of be this small. Jesuit was big and it had a different, different kind of feel than what Wheeling is now. Mm -hmm. That same dedication to students and the same dedication to a good religious education is still there. We are diocesan sponsored. We are Catholic uh, in our mission. You know, we really want our students to be leaders and we want them to grow personally, professionally, spiritually athletically, whatever way. And Wheeling has really developed this family feel. Um, I have a great team that I work with. I have a great president who allows me to work with this team, but she's also very supportive and she is a very involved president in a good way. Mm -hmm. The students know that they can talk to her. 
and then she can help get them to what they need to. Um, I always say that I talk to her more sometimes than I talk to my, my husband or my family. But again, we have great communication because we know what we want to build. Mm -hmm. We know that, you know, 2019 was a hard hit for Wheeling, but we are, and we got hit with financial exigency. Then we had COVID, we had layoffs. We have struggled, but we are still succeeding. We are mm -hmm. still getting our numbers. We are at like 200 and 250 deposits. So we've got, we've got students coming. Um, you know, we are succeeding athletically. Our teams, division two, um, we just had kids competing nationally at, at the nationals for track. Um, our volleyball team is consistent, always national champions, always MEC champions. Our football team who has not been around for very long, we had one of the best homecoming games. And it was, listen, I love West Liberty. I love Wheeling University. Our homecoming game was against West Liberty. So I'm at Wheeling. My heart is with Wheeling right now. A piece of it will always be at West Liberty. When we went into overtime, the president and I were down on the field, on the track, and we beat them in overtime. I mean, I get chills thinking about it. And I'm not a football person. I couldn't tell you what a first down is, any of that. But I knew how our students felt in that moment was probably one of the greatest things. And having them have those struggles, having to deal with COVID, winning their homecoming game against a rival, mm -hmm. storm the field, everyone out there. It was just a great feeling. And it kind of really cemented that I was meant to be there. I felt at home there and it was great for me. So if I was sit here to give an elevator pitch for Wheeling University, it's, it's a place for you to find yourself. It's a place for you to become part of our family and it will stick with you until, until graduation and then after. All right, Andrew. Well, thank you very much for taking time. Um, Happy to be here. It's it's been a it's been a a couple couple of long day long time I guess I should say since we had an opportunity to talk to each other. Um, for those of you at home that are watching, if you just joined us, this is Andrew Lewis. Go back to the beginning. You should watch the whole thing, or none of this will make sense. Um, <clears throat> you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Anchor. That's where you can find listening to us. You can also keep up on social media with Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's at Dingo Talk, except for the Instagram page. It's Dingo underscore talk. Um, but I am Carla Guadagnino. That's Andrew Lewis. This has been Dingo Talk, and we will see you next week, Chuckleheads. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now.